maybe you've been homeschooling for a week, maybe it's been a month, maybe it's been a few years or many years. If you've not run into this yet, you will, and you'll run into it many times. And I can say that now that I'm on the other end, you'll run into it until the fruit of this is seen to those people. And then they'll stop saying such things. We know there's typical things people always talk about. We know that S word, socialization. We've covered that many times. And I think that that kind of, kind of like, it's in this topic today that we're going to talk about in this episode. But we all know, we've heard it. Well, I knew that one homeschool family and their children were so unprepared for the real world. (laughs) Yeah, we've heard it. And if you haven't heard it yet, you will hear it. The funny thing is that I knew this one family that I went to public school with that was not prepared for the real world either. Hmm, Funny how we can just flip that onto its head. Welcome, friend, to today's episode, How Are You Doing? And today we're going to talk about those that are scared their homeschooler won't be ready for the real world. And maybe you're not scared. Either way, I'm going to share with you six tips to ensure that they will succeed upon graduation from homeschool. Welcome to the Little by Little Homeschool Podcast, where you can get out of survival mode feel confident in your homeschool decisions, and gain peace in your heart and home. I know that when we plant our feet firmly in this season of life and embrace our homeschooling, motherhood, and homemaking, we will thrive. I truly believe that we can do this from a place of peace and joy, all while growing a ton of contentment. And while we're at it, Mama, let's deepen those relationships with our children and love these years we get to pour into them. If you're ready to create beauty, seek simplicity, and live intentionally, homeschool mama, then close out that lesson book, let the kids go play, and let's have an authentic conversation. Hopefully in the background, you don't hear a lot of lawnmowers because my completely unsocialized, not ready for the real world sons are in the process of mowing all the lawns in our exact neighborhood. And... I told them to pass on ours. It has rained. We've had a lot of rain. And I was like, just leave ours. It's okay. We can do that another time. They have a lot to catch up on. So if you hear any noise in the background, it is my ill-prepared teenage boys causing a ruckus, not knowing how to function out in the world. (laughs) On that note, and hopefully I don't get a little too snarky or sarcastic. I don't know what's gotten into me. Um, But let's hop into today's episode and talk about these six tips that I have found that really work that make children prepared for the quote-unquote real world. Let's just say, for argument's sake, I don't know the exact numbers or percentage, but say, for example, that 10% of the young people of, we'll say, compulsory school age, 10% of them are homeschooling. What we can do oftentimes as homeschool parents is that the fact that we're doing something different. So we have 10%, which is a lot smaller than the other 90%. And we can get stuck in our mind that they are doing it right. Do you know what that's called? That's a herd mentality. We as humans, we want to be a part of a group. Just it's ingrained us. It's hard. Now, not everybody. Some people like to stick out like a sore thumb. Some people like to be the rebels. And overall though, 
Most of us want to be included. We want to be in a group. We don't want to be the rabble rousers. Sometimes we need to be. But just by default of homeschooling, we kind of are the different ones. And that can be harder on some of us more than others of us. And that's okay. It's the way that God has wired you and designed you. But even if you don't like being the different one, you're homeschooling. And therefore, you are strong enough to do that. I promise you can be strong enough to be different in other areas. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Why am I talking about this made up 10% and 90%? The reason I'm talking about it is that we can think, well, what we're doing, you know, I'm in this 10% and how I'm raising my kid is so much different than the other 90% of, say, we'll just say teenagers or middle schoolers or elementary age kiddos. And so they must be doing it right. Mm-mm. Just because a large group of people more, like just because a majority is doing something doesn't mean that it is the best way or better or right. It could be just fine. But don't assume that just because a large group is doing something, that is what um, is going to lead to success. So in relation to homeschooling, just because maybe 90% of the kids in your town, let's say let's bring it down small. of the kids in your town, your school district, go to the state school system, and 10% are homeschooled. Nobody says that those 90% are going to have greater success than the 10%. We just assume that because there's a larger group amount of people. There's 90% that are doing one thing. Okay, I'm back. You probably didn't even notice I was gone, but my boys decided they needed to mow our lawn even though I told them they could let it go. I think it's kind of like that. Well, some people know where I live. And if my lawn is a wreck, then that would be really bad. It's a good promo, we'll just say that. All right, let's get back to the topic at hand. I mean, you guys never left. I just did, but get my mind back into this. So let me do tell you that, so my kids, you all know, my kids are older. With my youngest being 14, and it really wasn't that long ago that I also was worried, concerned, a little scared, a little fearful of, will this homeschool thing really work? And I can tell you right now, Yes. Yes, it will work. Your kids will be actually more prepared for the world than other kids. And again, this goes along. There's personalities, there's family types, there's values and things that we place of importance in our lives. And that can vary from families. And it doesn't matter the educational path that you are on. But I know, and I've said this before, my three kids are way more prepared for the world than I was just going through traditional schooling. And it has been my absolute pleasure to walk alongside some homeschool moms that have joined Clarifier Homeschool who have older children. And they're like, how, how in the world can I bring home a middle schooler, a high schooler? Don't they have to do what they're doing in school? The answer is no. And it has been so amazing to watch these families who have come in worried about, I'm going to mess my kid up. They've gone so long in the school system. We've worked on de-schooling. We've worked on the exact right curriculum for their kids' goals. When you have younger kids, you're like, okay, whatever we do. But when you have children that are maybe possibly seriously looking at going on to higher education, it's really important to line them up for success in those areas. But then also just this, what we're talking about here today, being ready for the real world. How can we do that? And if you have, if you're thinking about homeschooling and you have older kids, don't let the fact that you have older kids stop you. You can check out clarifyyourhomeschool.com in order to connect and you and I can work on homeschooling your exact family and be able to connect with some of those families as well that have 
walking the path just a little bit ahead of you and who are feeling confident and excited about homeschooling their older kiddos. So you can head over to clarifyourhomeschool.com. Let's jump into these six tips here. Okay. Number one, which seems really obvious, but sometimes we kind of forget about it. We don't forget that it actually is really important and that it's helpful. So here we go. Number one is get your kids out in the world. Uh, hello? (laughs) You're like, yeah, that's obvious. Now, families are going to have different preferences. They're going to live in different locations and they're going to have different goals. Some families don't want to be out in the world a lot and that's okay. It's your choice as you homeschool. Some families want to be out and about every single day. That's fine. That's their choice. It's why they homeschool. But all kids, bring them to places, no matter their age, especially when they're younger and they can watch and be a part of things. Bring them to the bank. I mean, I don't know. Does anybody go to the bank anymore? But if you do, bring them to the bank. Bring them to the grocery store. Bring them on all of the errands. Homeschool kids have the opportunity to be out and about in the real world when they're five, when they're 10, when they're 15. And they're not stuck just with kids who are around their same age. And so this whole thing, like, how are they going to be prepared for the real world? And I'm like, uh, hello, they're in the real world every day, all day, to the extent that we want them to be. A superficial created experience isn't necessarily the real world. But running errands, going out, and then uh, running into different people and different personalities and different checkout clerks at the grocery store or whatever places you shop at. When we take them with us, they learn how to interact with situations so that when they are out and about on their own as they get older, I know if you're a young kid, you're like, what? You can't even imagine that. But as they get older... They are used to being in these social social situations. They are used to the things that come up uh, during just interactions with other people. So they feel comfortable and confident to do such things without you. Because even though it hurts, that really is the goal, is to raise children who are ready to spread their wings, who want to spread their wings, and have that foundation, that basis that they can do so. So teach them things like teach them how to order food from a restaurant. Teach them how to talk to the post office clerk. Say you need to buy some stamps or you want to mail a package. Have them walk up with you and guide them through that interaction of answering questions. They might not have all the answers, but they'll look at you. You'll give them the answer and then they can reply to the postal clerk. That way, I mean, these things sound small. But it really is. Think about any time that you have gone into a situation, whether it is like a fun social gathering or it's a business type thing, something for church or your community, whatever it is. Think about how awkward you feel going into it because you don't know exactly what's going to happen, but you are prepared for a lot of different social situations and interactions so that you feel fairly confident. Okay, this is some things that could come up and I can go ahead and I can wing it and figure out how I need to act and to react and conversations that I need to have in this situation. Let's set our kids up for success as well in showing them, guiding them. They feel so comfortable around us. And even though they might be nervous to go walk up to um, say you're at a coffee shop or something or a little deli uh, bakery, how nervous they are to go up and order something, but they have that security that you are right there. They might still be nervous the first time they do it without you but they know that it's going to be okay. 
Now, so there's another skill as well that's really good to teach kiddos, and that is how to call people on the telephone. I know, shocking. It still happens every now and then. Again, I prefer texting. I don't mind talking to friends. You want to call me? I might or might not answer the phone if I have time or not. But just being able to call for different situations. Let me give you a specific example. My 17-year-old son, a couple years ago, so would have been like two and a half years ago, he wanted to get a job at a local grocery store. He knew that they would hire him at 15. Well, the first step was he needed to call them. I had already gone into the store with him and we had talked to them at the checkout or the, the service center. And they said, we well, have to call this other number and they'll be able to get you set up with an interview, whatever the situation was. So calling, he was so nervous. The great thing now is that you have speaker phones. So he is able to talk on speakerphone and I could kind of do hand motions or quick write something down for him. But we were able to talk through how the conversation is going to go beforehand. And then he had some information, some knowledge that he could pull from. And then we, you know, kind of, he kind of had to wing it a little bit with all my hand signals and stuff. I think it was a phone interview they might have done first before they did it in person. But whatever the case, he was so nervous. Fast forward here, we are two and a half years in. So he worked at that grocery store for two years, gave him a lot of good experience of interacting with people. And now the amount of phone calls that he takes and he'll answer the phone, he'll call people. And just the other day, I listened to a conversation he had with a client and I just, I just kind of laughed. I said, wow, you've come a really long way from that first phone call where you were so nervous and now look at you. So phone calls too. Okay, so that was tip number one was get them out into the world, teach them how to interact by being with them and um, encouraging them and walking them alongside that. Number two here is to talk about the world and talk about events. Now, for me and my family, we come at things from a biblical worldview. So if that is also the case for you, then that's going to be what is going to help filter how you approach conversations. I'm going to add like something here is that we obviously do this with um, an appropriateness to our children's age. We're not going to talk to them uh, at five as the same way as we are at 17. And we have, my husband and I have done this. We were able to, and we purposely protected and sheltered them from things when they were younger so that they could just enjoy um, an innocent childhood. We weren't negligent about things. We talked about stranger danger and scenarios. They knew about those things. But in a broader sense, they didn't know what was going on in the whole great world. They knew what was going on in their world. And there was peace and calmness and tranquility and comfort and stability in their lives. But as they get older, talk to them about things that are going on in the world in an age-appropriate type of manner. The funny thing is the stuff that we have conversations about with our 14-year-old or that he's around and included in, we didn't have those conversations with my daughter when she was 14. However, she just was a different child. He really wants to know and has a really good filter and a really strong, solid foundation to go from, and he's just thirsting for more knowledge and how he can apply his faith in the theology and the things that he knows to the world. But talk to your children about the world and about events. If they know nothing, if you shelter them for 18 years and then suddenly plunk, they move out, whether they go to college, even if it's like a super conservative Christian college, and they don't know what's going on in a broader sense, and you haven't talked to them 
it's going to be a shock and they're going to have a hard time. Talk to them about how to filter the news or quote unquote news or whatever they're hearing from others in the culture, able to filter that through and to know how it applies to their life. Number three is to involve them in your world. Do you volunteer somewhere? Are you a community support somewhere? Do you have a job, part-time, full-time, something in there, whether you work at home or you work away from home or whatever you participate in? Maybe you are a ministry leader. Maybe you work at a local um, animal shelter. Whatever it is, involve them in your world. Bring them into what you're doing and they will watch and observe and absorb what you are doing and how you are interacting with people. If you can, say you um, work from home, you have um, a little business, you make, um, you make something that you sell on Etsy. Involve them in that work. Involve them in letting them watch you interact with uh, clients, with uh, customers, I guess, online through Etsy. Show them how you set that up. Show them how you actually make your product, how you package it. Take them with you to the uh, post office, the UPS, wherever you mail things out. Involve them in your world so that they see how you react to situations. They see and observe how you take things head on and how you deal with situations and whatever comes up. And they'll just soak that in. And it'll really pretty amaze you when you watch them take those different things that you've taught them, but not like intentionally taught them. They've just kind of learned it by osmosis, I guess a little bit, but you'll watch them kind of take their own twist on it for their personality. So number four then is to connect them with mentors or apprenticeships or places to get uh, involved in, uh, volunteer in. So different people for them to learn from. Now, I'm not saying just go down to the local whatever store and just plop them in and say, here, can you open? And they're like, yeah, sure, we can apprentice and teach them how to do this. I really want you to vet these people. We have been able to connect our kids with some amazing adults that we trust, that we know that they're solid in their faith. We know where they're coming from and they want to come alongside us, James and I as parents, and mentor and guide and encourage and speak into the life of our children, whether it is uh, doing like a Bible study with this person, or it's doing an actual apprenticeship, learning, uh, say, woodworking or something like that from somebody. Those types of things, even though they're doing something hands-on, that person still has the ability to speak into your child's life. And that's why we want to be really careful about who we allow to speak into our child's life. Even if you don't come at things from a Christian worldview like I do, you're still going to have morals and values and and things that are important to you and goals for your family that you're going to want to make sure somebody aligns with those that you allow to speak into them. But it's really great when, especially a teen, can have a relationship, an appropriate relationship with another adult that is willing to come alongside you. So number five here, volunteer. Now I know a lot of these other ones we've talked about, well, some of them have had to do with older kids, teens, like apprenticeships and mentorships, which by the way, PS with the mentorship, when my daughter was, I don't even think she was middle school, elementary school, she helped out at our church. A really good friend of mine ran the women's, not the women's, the children's ministry. I ran the women's ministry. She ran the children's ministry. And once a week, I would drop my daughter off for a couple of hours 
and she would help her, help her just even if it was just cutting up um, paper and, you know, she needed things cut or like taken apart or setting things up. And it was a really great opportunity for this friend of mine to speak into my daughter, but also to have some help for herself. So that ties also into the volunteering. But oftentimes volunteering as a family is really good to do, especially when your kids are younger. And this is the really cool thing about homeschooling is that we can step into opportunities and ways of volunteering because those might only be available during the day. And guess what? You're a homeschooler. You can be available during the day. My kids and I have done so many different things, and this has also helped my children to connect. Because if you think about during the day, see a volunteer opportunity at 10 a.m. Who's available at 10 a.m.? It's typically a lot of older, retired uh, folks. And my kids have been able to form relationships with those within, you know, two generations above them. So that's been really cool. But also we've been able to connect with kids that are younger. We've been able to volunteer for babysitting at mom's groups uh, so that the moms can enjoy maybe a Bible study or fellowship. And we have babysat for the younger kids. We've gone into local schools in communities that really need help. And we've been able to go in and work with younger children as well. So volunteer, look for those opportunities. And I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to see those opportunities and say, Ooh, well, we're a little behind in our history. Ooh, Johnny isn't doing so good with math. Drop the history, drop the math, go do the volunteer work. I'm not saying not to do those history and that math ever. But what I'm saying is that those volunteer opportunities are what's going to stick and make an impact long term. Number six here, we're going to jump back to older kiddos. Let them get a job. Some kids really, 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 really want to get a job as soon as they can, as soon as like child labor laws will allow them to. They can get babysitting jobs, lawn mowing jobs, uh, mommy helper jobs, um, all kinds of little things like, you know, under the table just for, for friends and family, those types of things. Those are fantastic. So you can do those with younger kiddos. I highly encourage that. But when it's time, let them get a job out into the world. Now we've done all this preparation. We've gotten them out in the world. They know how to deal with it. They have this strong foundation and then they get out into the world a little bit and they go out and they do their shift. So say my 17 year old, when he was 15 at the grocery store, he'd go and do his three hour shift. We come home and he would decompress and we would talk about how it went and how to better interact with people. It will teach them so many skills, especially something in customer service. Now, my 14-year-old is super spoiled because he just gets to work with his brother, but I, I'm i really leaning towards having him get a job, even though he probably will make less than an hour an hour than the lawn mowing uh, to do over the winter or something, just so that he has that experience and you have that knowledge to build off of when you are older. I hope that you see the value in these six different areas real quick is to get them out in the world. Number two, talk about the world and events. Three, involve them in your world. Number four, connect them with others, whether it's an apprenticeship or mentorship. Five is to volunteer. And number six is to let them get a job. How do we prepare our children for the quote unquote real world? Well, we get them into the real world. And that is the amazing blessing of homeschooling that most people, they don't get to see. So this has been a fun episode. I could probably talk about this forever. And I think I was interrupted four times. You didn't know it, but there was another interruption when the gang came in and ate lunch here. And I was like, okay, we are definitely going to pause this. And I actually hung out with them a little bit then went and cleaned a shower. 
If you did not listen to this previous episode about keeping up with the housework and stuff, you'll see how I took that opportunity that even though I had to pause what I was going to do with this episode right then, I didn't just sit around and do nothing. I spent some time with them. So kind of bonded, work on a relationship, get to know um, the other guys in the team. But then also, instead of just sitting here scrolling or doing nothing really at all, I was like, okay, clean shower. It's on my list. So go listen to the previous episode to that. And as far as bonding, there's one back a little bit as well about bonding with your kiddos. And if you enjoy what you are hearing here on the podcast, I actually send out a weekly newsletter. You can go ahead and sign up for that if you have not already done so. The link is in the show notes. And for those of you that are like, I need to clarify your homeschool. I need to know how to homeschool my older kiddo or younger kiddos. It doesn't matter. I'll take them all. <laughs> go ahead and check out clarifyyourhomeschool.com. It's been a fun week on the podcast, and I will see you back here on Monday. If this podcast has encouraged you, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. I love to hear how this show has impacted you. So if you could hop over and do that, I'd be so grateful. While you're at it, take a screenshot of this episode and share it with your friends to encourage them. You can also find me over on Instagram at Little by Little Homeschool. Until next time, have a beautiful day, Mama.